Welcome, River City Church. Hello, I'm Josh Franklin. Hi, Josh. Hey, hey, buddy. Good to see you and your beard. It's lovely. Uh, I'm Josh. I uh, do a few things here. Our family leads a city group and part of the ministry leadership team and help out wherever. We've been here for a little while. It was a few months ago when I last spoke, so it's nice to be here again. And I'm going to try to keep us on the prayer train, and we're going to be doing that through February, right? Kind of? Okay. Okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to deal with that today. And I will be honest with you, which I should, we're in church, and I should be honest with you, a little nervous about talking about prayer to our church. And here's why. Um, one of the things I think is so special and unique about us as a body, is that we're full of a, a bunch of people with differing beliefs. You know, it's, it's really interesting. It's always been something that's very unique about RCC. And the reason for that is because we all come from different faith traditions. I mean, so we can't help but bring some of that into this. But somehow we figure out a way to smooth it all over and chase after the Holy Spirit and worship Jesus. So I love that. I love that. However, when you talk about something like prayer... Um, I know that there's a lot of things that were built into us and given to us over the years. I grew up Baptist. To me, it was a box to be checked, and so on and so forth. So I just want you to know that I recognize that. I'm going to be as sensitive as I possibly can to that. I'm going to move forward cautiously. However, I think maybe we can play around with this a little bit, and, and I can give you something to think about. But what I'm going to ask you to do is take some of those beliefs and just put them in your pocket for 20 minutes. That's it. And after the 20 minutes is over, you can take them out of your pocket again. And then you can kind of put them up against what I present to you and just see, you know, what works, what doesn't work, and maybe if there's some things to let go of. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to attempt this. We're going to go for it, crash or burn, come hell or high water. Here we go. All right. So anytime I talk, I present it to my city group and I say, what do you guys think about this? To try, because I'm fishing for ideas and stuff. And, uh, and they had some questions about it. So I asked, hey, well, when you think about prayer, you know, what comes to mind? And I thought, well, maybe you could find some commonality in some of these questions. Um, some of them said, you know, why bother with prayer if, uh, if it's not going to change anything? And that's a valid question. I can relate to that, especially if you've experienced loss or tragedy or you've prayed intensely for something that just didn't come to pass. That's, that's valid. That's a legitimate question. Or what is the purpose of prayer? That's a big one. I'll just try to scratch the surface a little bit on that one. But I would imagine that a lot of us, we ask that question privately too. Um, does prayer change God's mind? Meaning, is it effective? Does it do anything? Does he hear us? I can relate to that. Has prayer become kind of like a transaction? Is it more of a transactional sort of thing? My upbringing in the Baptist church taught me that it is. A little bit, no offense to the Baptists, but that's the way I have approached it, and I'm letting go of that. It's a wounding for me with prayer. So that's a legitimate question. And then for me, you know, I bring inadequacy here, okay? It's highly ironic that I'm the one you know, kind of teaching on prayer because I just feel completely inadequate. I feel like, you know, when you see somebody famous, and I don't know which camp you're in, but... Either you're in the camp that's going to go at that person and meet them and talk to them, or you're at the camp that's going to shy away because you feel like they're not going to accept you and see you as a commoner or something like that. Like Malcolm Gladwell was in Vagabond last week, which is amazing. Malcolm Gladwell, folks. 
Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> He's a big deal in a lot of different spaces. Anyways, Kevin Snow, Kevin Snow was in there, and this dude's bold and brave, and he's, he sees Malcolm Gladwell, and he says, Malcolm Gladwell needs to have a selfie with me. <laughs> right? Yo, Kevin, Kevin's got, he's, you know what I'm saying, he's, he's brave. So he goes and he gets a selfie with Malcolm Gladwell. He approaches him with no issue at all. I mean, I, I can't do that. You know, I was at a passion conference with Holly one time, and David Crowder was walking down the hall, and, uh, and I, I went the other way. I was too nervous. And he's, he's a worship guy, no offense to worship people, but he's kind of famous, you know? And so I just, I couldn't do it. I can't look at them. I, I feel inadequate. I feel like, ah, oh, they're not going to accept me. They're going to turn me away or something like that. So I bring this to prayer, okay? So I just share that to see if maybe you have some commonality with that. And I think God's going to do something today, or at least give us something to consider that might free us in, you know, into more open spaces with this. But I thought we'd kick it off with a, with a thought from C.S. Lewis. I don't have any of the quotes on the screen today. I did that on purpose because I want you to listen, because part of praying is listening, all right? I will have the scripture on the screen. But C.S. Lewis says this, the relationship between God and a man and a woman, I added that, is more private and intimate than any possible relationship between two fellow creatures. And I think that's why it feels so personal to me with this inadequacy thing, and maybe some of us too. We're not sure how to approach God because it is that it's supposed to be that most intimate connection, and sometimes it doesn't feel that way. So we retreat. I retreat from it. And uh, it's not supposed to be that way. So when we see that, we should push forward into this and explore why. And so I think that's what we're going to try to do this morning. So I have a few questions that will guide us, and then we'll be done. Some of the questions are this. What is prayer? I'm going to attempt to scratch the surface of it. Why do we have it? Is it a means of accessing the divine mystery or manipulating it? And I got to ask a hard question. You know, that's me. And what is the goal of it? Okay, now my answers are by no means definitive, just so you know. I'm just giving you things to chew on. You're free to disagree with me if you'd like. But I would love to talk to you about it afterwards if you do. So, chew on these things. All right, so what is prayer? Well, which is, this is interesting, but I found the most concise summation of this in the AA book, Alcoholics Anonymous. Step 11, they say this, prayer is our principal means of conscious contact with God. That's good. I mean, that's good. Prayer is the principal means of our conscious contact with God. And I want to pay special attention to the word conscious. Conscious, uh, you know, it speaks to awareness. Another word for it is awareness. And I think what they're saying is there's some sort of awareness of God that we're feeding when we participate in the practice and action and movement of prayer. So we're, we're feeding this awareness. To me, it's very freeing sounding. There's not a lot of form and function involved there. It's just, how do I feed this awareness of God? And so I asked myself, am I feeding this awareness? Are you feeding this awareness? Are we feeding this awareness as we move into prayer? And I thought Jesus has a few things to say about this in his Sermon on the Mount. So I want to go to that. It's in chapter 6, Matthew. And um, it's in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount. And this is where, you know, he's building this new ethic for spirituality uh, in, in religious life, okay? And, and he talks about prayer and unpacks it a bit in the middle of the sermon. And I just want to camp here for a little bit because I think he's very clever about it. And there's a lot of relatable things here that I think will unpack and uncover some things that are really fascinating. 
But we pick up here, he's talking to the disciples, he's talking to them about prayer, and we're going to pick up in chapter five or uh, chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that, there may, that they, they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And so you see here right off the bat, he's lifting up the religious elite, the Pharisees, the religious Jews, and he's saying the way they do it, it's not... That's not good. It's not like that anymore. And what's happening, I think, is, as Jesus typically does, is he's shifting mindset, shifting heart, shifting posture. And so he illuminates that this isn't good, okay? Don't really do it like this. He, he calls them hypocrites, or, or another word would be actors. They're acting as if they're something they are not. And they're creating a bit of spiritual theater for whatever reason. And they're using big words to demonstrate and illustrate piety that doesn't exist. In calling that prayer. And so he's saying, that's not prayer, which is kind of scandalous to say that in that moment. So he lifts that up, and then he goes on to verse 6, and he says this, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, or in hiding, or concealed, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so there's this shift, I think, from form and function things that are external to the inward, to the heart, to this special, sacred, set-apart space. I don't know where it's at. He says it's physical. Find a space and shut the door. You view it however you'd like, but I think he's telling us to just find somewhere that's not in the midst, in the hubbub of the world, and, and do that, because he did that often. And there's something special about that. And he's also... He's, re, he's repositioning this idea that we have to pray in a certain way at a certain time with certain words. He's making it a get-to. And in the kingdom of God, in the domain of God, there are no have-tos. And I don't know how that sounds to you, but we've said that for years here. There are only get-tos in the kingdom of God. And I love how Jesus is making this a get-to. This is actually a get-to. It's not a have-to, as you've seen these guys do. Because there's a lot of wounding and baggage with what the Pharisees are doing. The audience, the Jews, they know what he's saying. This is a get-to now. So it seems to me that Jesus is saying we get, we get this sort of access to something that's greater and beyond us. That last word, reward you, reward, in verse 6, it means, and I like this better, it means to give over, to give over. Sounds very, it sounds less transactional to me, and it, and it makes me say, what in the world do we get? What has he given over to us? There's some sort of exchange that happens, almost like it's a point of access. God is giving us something. I don't know what it is. This is where we get to have fun with this a little bit. What in the world is God giving to us when we find that secret space? Something, love, wisdom, insight, pictures, visions. I don't know. It's endless. We can be, it's creative. It's, we can imagine whatever it may be, but he's giving something over to us. So I, that compels me towards, okay, i got to find this space. So prayer, it seems to be this, this feeding of awareness where we get to enter into this space with the Creator where he gives something over to us. Well, what is it? What is prayer? Well, here's where Jesus gets pretty clever. In verse 7, he goes on and furthers this idea, but now, now he illuminates the Gentiles, which is interesting. So in verse 7, he says this, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And Gentiles is everybody that's not Jews, okay? And, and whatever they're worshiping, gods, goddesses, things, animals, what have you, he's pointing out 
that, well, in the Jewish audience, the readers, they know this. They tend to, it seems, they, they repeat these incantations, prayers, rituals, sayings, often in an effort to be heard for some reason, almost like they're not sure it's going to be heard. And, and I feel like Jesus is even showing that, look and see how their words are they're, they're empty. It's almost like he's, he's showing that the words are separate from the heart. And that appears to be not something that ought to occur when we enter into this, this space of prayer. And so he illustrates this and he says, don't do this. <laughs> he, he, he says, um, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So it seems, when I think about what, okay, what is prayer then? It seems like it's for us. I think it's actually for us and not, not for God. It seems like it's a means by which we can trust that God hears our hearts, not necessarily our words. And that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Oh, oh, my heart gets to speak in this space. It gets to open up. It gets to share. It gets to talk. How does it do that, Josh? I don't know. I'm, I don't know. But somehow it talks. I feel like Jesus is saying words aren't necessarily necessary. <laughs> oh, man. Words, what do you mean? But I, but I pray with words. I'm just saying, that's, that's, he's the one that's pointed it out and pointed out how both the religious Jews and the Gentiles are using these words that mean nothing. <laughs> I wonder if sometimes we rely too heavily on words. We use them to hide behind. We use them to not listen. So, I mean, that transfers into all kinds of things. Friendship, relationships, God. Oh, man. Jesus, he's good. So, so the religious Jews, they, they wanted others to hear their words while concealing their heart. Yeah. Now, I haven't come to the foyer recently and saw somebody out there spouting out pious prayers out loud for all to hear. You know, that, that hasn't happened. So I can't relate in that regard. However, I can relate in the way in that maybe, maybe I've approached God in some weird way that he never expected in the first place, and I used all these weird words because I thought that's what he was looking for, when the whole time he just wants to hear my heart because there's something good about that. There's some sort of aliveness that I get to walk into when I do that. And the Gentiles, perhaps weren't certain that their gods and goddesses heard them, so they repeated endlessly what they were saying without assurance of personal knownness. They weren't sure. They sent these things off into the universe, which I know is a lonely place to be. I feel like Jesus, he's cleverly pointing that out. No, no, no. In this space, you get to be known. You get to make known what's on your heart. You get to let your heart speak whatever it has. So perhaps we have prayer so that we have a dedicated space to lay before God what is in us and not necessarily what ought to be in us. Does that make sense? That's freedom. There's no expectation from him of what we need to say or do. He just wants you and us to let our hearts speak. That's, a, that's an idea that C.S. Lewis plays with. So what it means is that this may be, this moment of prayer that you enter into it may be the one moment all week, all day, all month, all year that you get to be you, that we get to be us. That's something my wife says to me all the time and my family and friends and kids. You get to be you. What if prayer is that one moment where we get to do that and just let it flow? Richard Rohr, a rogue Sanfriscan friar, 
Think of Nacho Libre, but without the tights and the wrestling. (laughs) He says this, prayer is looking out from a different set of eyes, which you're not comparing or competing or judging, labeling and analyzing, but receiving the moment in its wholeness. Ah, yeah, in its wholeness. And that's the part I, I wanted us to sit on for a little bit. This God's receiving us in our wholeness in prayer. That's why he wants us to just let our heart speak. Let it out. He's receiving us in wholeness. No hiding necessary. No disguises necessary. No empty phrases necessary. So there seems to be a bit of mystery with this too, because I don't know how all that works in the exchange and the interaction. There's a bit of mystery, but here at this church, we're okay with mystery. We're charismatics. We follow the mystery. It's called the Holy Spirit. We're fine with it, right? It's good. It's freeing. And it's, mystery doesn't have to be controlled. We don't get to control it, and we don't have to control it. But then I thought, well, is prayer given to us as a way of accessing that ministry or that, that mystery? Or is it, is it something we manipulate? And that's something that Roar chews on a little bit too. Do we access it with it or do we manipulate it with it? I'm not going to answer that question. That's the one question I want you to leave here with today. I can't answer that for you. It's the only question that we have to answer for ourselves. It's your faith. You have to find that, that answer. But at the end of the day, I know that we get to feed the awareness though. Feed the awareness of God, who he is and who we are in him. Something happens in that moment of prayer or we're feeding that awareness. So my last question, what is the goal of prayer? Well, I'm not, please know this is not a definitive answer, okay? I'm just going to throw it out there, and, you know, it just, it, it, it is. And then you can wrestle with that and decide for yourself. But this is something we all get to figure out, you know? But what is the goal? And I think, and this gets me really jazzed up about it, and I'm, again, I'm not the guy that's a prayer warrior or an intercessor or anything like that. But I like this weird space that prayer offers that Jesus is referring to in his, his little dialogue on it in those few verses. I think the goal of prayer is to conceive what is not known of God and ourselves and our friends and the world by being connected to God. There's something about it where we learn something completely brand new about him. Yes, I'm going to keep going back into that. That's what we're invited into. That's why there's no form or function necessary. It's an invitation. It's a vision of what it can be and what it gets to be. Something that we get to discover that's not known. Again, that last word, reward in verse 6, that what is God giving over to us? I don't know. It's not known, but he's going to make it known to us. He's going to make it known to you. There's discovery involved. So I think prayer is less about informing God and more for connecting us. So remember, feed the awareness. Feed the awareness that God is there and he wants to hear from your heart and he's listening. And there's that personal knownness that he has for us. So we're going to try it again. We do prayer ministry every Sunday. And I just wanted to take two minutes to unpack what actually happens up here. Because it's kind of what we're doing. Like, worship is stirring the awareness. Prayer ministry is stirring the awareness. And sometimes it feels like maybe there's some have-tos, but there's not any have-tos. And I just wanted to unpack really quick what happens up here. There's two things. There's prayer and there's ministry. Those are the things that are happening up here. So when somebody walks around and they lay their hand on you, they are actually praying for you. And what they're doing is they're attempting to hear God's heart on your behalf. 
They're praying. They're trying to listen. They're trying to find this secret space right here in this moment where they can hear something for you that God has already said about you. And then it comes out in ministry in a couple of different ways. Sometimes they'll give you a word of knowledge. And what that is, is God has shared something with them that's uniquely special to you. It's kind of like getting your mail read. And for whatever reason, it hits a chord with you and it makes you feel that personal knownness. It is the most exciting moment in the world. Even though you have a base belief that God exists, possibly. If you, you, you believe he exists and you're kind of on board with the whole thing. But as soon as you hear somebody read your mail and tell you something special that somehow has come from God, it just kind of wakens everything up and you get this rush of aliveness. It's amazing. Part of that's happening up here. Okay. Then sometimes, sometimes those folks that are praying for you on your behalf and laying their hand on your shoulder, they're hearing or they get a picture and they see something about you that's going to maybe happen and they want to call into life. That's called prophecy. And so what they do is they declare it over you. They prophesy it over you. They speak it into existence, hoping that something initiates in the spirit and activates and compels you towards that, stirring more awareness that you are known by God and he has things for you. That's fun too. That's great. It's risky. I mean, if you get me praying for you, you might hear that I see Bozo the Clown in left field and he's calling you to the grand prize game. I don't know what that means or whatever. You know, it could be something like that, but we want to build you up. We want to encourage you. We want to love you. So we're going to risk a little bit. It's risk on your part, risk on our part as well. And then what happens sometimes is that we just don't hear anything. And that, and this is what I wanted to emphasize, that has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with the prayer minister or, what, or, or whatever. We just, we just can't hear for whatever reason. We can't see. We can't hear. And so what might happen is they'll just pray over you. They'll just pray a blessing over you. Because they just want to encourage this awareness of who God is and that he's aware of you and knows you. And we want you to be more aware of him in your life. So all that's kind of happening. Now, that's a Cliff Notes version, but I just want you to know that all that's happening because we value prayer, and so this will always be a part of our service, and that's what we're going to kind of walk into next is a little bit of prayer ministry, stirring the awareness, seeing what he has for us, seeing what there's there to hear. Remember, no form or function. We're just invited into this. So let's stand. Let's stand. Hopefully there's a little bit to chew on there. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come, fill this place, fill our hearts and our minds, and I, I pray you'd stir awareness in all of us that you hear and that you know us and you want to hear everything that's on our heart, literally everything that's on our heart. <clears throat> so I pray you'd release the gifts, you release your wisdom and prophecy and love and everything over us now, and stir us up. Stir awareness in our minds and in our hearts that you are here, that we are known by you, and that there is a space for us to enter into with you where you have much to give over to us. We want it. We want it, God. I pray you come.